Welcome to Uncorked, the podcast brought to you by Team Corker. My name is Matt, and I am so excited to have a guest that I've been following for so long online and got the pleasure of meeting recently, Shanique Kelly. You may know her as an incredible DJ in Vancouver by Softy Shan. Shanique, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me today. So tell the world who you are and what you're up to right now. Totally. Um, yep. My name is Shanique. My DJ name is Softy Shan, and I am a DJ and an event producer in Vancouver. My focus, I guess, is creating space for people who exist within marginalized communities. So people in the queer community, people of color. Yeah, that is sort of what my main focus is. I DJ a bunch of different stuff. I really like hip hop and throwbacks and rap. Yeah. <laughs> and so we actually connected, or I don't even know if you even remember me being at the, an event that you were hosting with Intercessions. Talk, talk to me a little bit about what Intercessions is and what role it played in you DJing. Totally. So Intercessions started about, man, like three years ago now. And it's a workshop that was started by two people who are now friends of mine, Chippy um, Nonstop and Ree. So intercession started as sort of just like an initiative to get more, at the time it was just women, into DJing. They were like noticing that there's a huge inequality gap between the amount of male DJs and amount of female DJs. Like a lot of different industries, there were not a lot of women representation. So they were like, why don't we just start a workshop called Intercessions, invite women, and then it expanded to people within marginalized community, people in the LGBTQ plus spectrum to come to this workshop and learn how to DJ. So coincidentally, I went to that first ever workshop three years ago, not even really like wanting to be a DJ. It was just near my house and it was cheap. It was like by donation and I had a friend going. So we went together. And I kind of became friends with some people there. And that was the first time I ever started DJing. And then I began DJing more and more and became friends with the organizers of Intercessions. They ended up moving from Vancouver and they were like, do you want to take over Intercessions Vancouver? Because at this point it was starting to happen a bit more globally, like in LA, in New York, in Mexico City. And I think there was one in Germany. And they were like, do you want to be in charge of the Vancouver one? It like makes sense that you were at the first ever one. And I was like, I mean, I guess so, but I don't really feel qualified to do that. And they were like, you're the most qualified because you did it yourself and you're still beginning and there are beginners that are coming and you'll be able to like answer the questions. So yeah, that's intercessions. I wouldn't have started DJing without it. And now I'm a part of facilitating workshops in the city. And what does that provide you now? You know, three years later, you're still contributing and giving back to the intercessions community but also to all these aspiring djs what does that feel like for you it feels really nice i feel like because it was like because because i suffered from imposter syndrome so deeply i still feel like i'm just a beginner dj so i feel like it's really nice to have those moments of being like okay i guess i do know something i guess i can offer something to my community and being able to like see people who had questions that i had or like fears that i had just a couple years ago it's really nice to feel like 
I can offer answers that are still really, really fresh in my mind of like, oh yeah, that is difficult. Or like, how do you navigate like getting your first job or throwing your first party? But it's also nice for me to be like, okay, I do have something to like contribute and offer because it's easy for me to just sort of spin out into like, oh no, I've tricked all these people into thinking I know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) When you're looking back, when you first started DJing, was there ever a moment where you're like, whoa, I'm I'm a DJ? Oh, good question. I think May, I'm trying to think. The first ever event I threw was a fundraiser for Black Lives Matter. And a friend and I wanted to figure out a way for people in the city who like enjoyed rap and hip hop music, but maybe weren't super educated about like what was going on in the States around police brutality to be able to like enjoy the culture, but also give back to the culture. So my friend and I threw this fundraiser just being like, we need to raise money. Things aren't okay in our world and what can we do and then we did that party not really knowing what to expect and a bunch of people came and it was so fun and i was like i was expecting like 20 of my friends to come but it was like we ended up raising two thousand dollars and i think in that moment i kind of was like oh okay this is a thing that i can do and like i'm have the capacity and like the ability to create space for people who maybe don't feel great in other spaces i love that that's such a focus of your DJing and your event producing. Tell me what it's like on your end. I know um, as a queer person walking into a room and I'm usually one of very few queer people in the room. And that is definitely an experience that I have. But what's it like on your end as the DJ? Like oftentimes the DJ really gets to like set the tone and really like create the experience for people. What's the difference for you when you play to a crowd that's predominantly black or people of color in the LGBTQ plus space versus a crowd where the majority may be white? Totally. So I think when I first started DJing, I was taking more gigs as opposed to like making my own gigs. So it was predominantly in spaces that were like not black spaces or not clear spaces. It was like difficult, but also rewarding in that like representation is so important. So I would often feel like, ah, I feel uncomfortable. Like I'm the only one who looks like me here. But I I realized and I would receive feedback from like maybe like the one queer person in the crowd or like the couple black people in the crowd that it was really powerful for them to just see someone who looked like them up there. So even in spaces where I'm a visible minority, I was finding that there was still so much value in like being a face for people who were a couple people in a crowd who didn't feel represented. I also feel like for a crowd of like maybe mostly like white people, it's important for them to see a black person doing a thing in a way where it's like, oh yeah, this is important. We need to like give opportunity and give space for people who exist in these communities. And I think more businesses and people running things are realizing the importance of like having diversity in their lineups. So I think on some level, maybe it's like important, a person with like running a business with all white people who hires all white people to be like, oh yeah, diversity is important. This person's bringing a new energy that maybe I don't have or that I can't offer. And like people are responding well to that. So I think there's kind of two levels. There's like people in the crowd who are part of these groups being able to see someone like them, but then also people who are not part of these groups, being able to see like the value of like bringing in a different person than the people that they're surrounded with. Mm -hmm. What's been your experience working with people who book DJs? Have you been 
um, have you worked with any club owners and any experience in that? Or do you just are like, I'm creating my own event and my own spaces? <laughs> I definitely work with a lot of club owners. I think that I'm really grateful that now I'm in a place where I can be a little bit more discerning about who I work with. I think that when I first started, I was just so eager to like get my name out there, make money to pay my rent, that I would say yes to things that maybe didn't feel 100% right. And um, yeah, I guess it's just in a time where people are like, yeah, we can't have all men or like, no, we can't have all white people. There's like a phenomenon of like token booking that happens a lot. So you'll have like someone who's like a promoter at a venue be like, oh, we really, really, really want you, but they don't really respect you or your craft or your art or what you're trying to do. It's more just like checking a box. So I think that that was maybe difficult for me starting off is like discerning like who actually is a person I want to align with and who's someone who just like is trying to like politically, you know, do the right thing. I think that I'm getting a little bit better at reading the vibe or just being like asking questions like who else is involved? You know, like, yeah, just being like, who else have you reached out to? Who else is on the lineup? That sort of thing. And just, yeah, but it's definitely like, I know a lot of young DJs are like beginning people who don't, it is a privilege to be able to say no to certain things. And I definitely, when you're just starting out, you want to say yes and you want to get your name out there. So it is kind of a tricky situation to be in where you don't want to like enable people who are just token booking you, but at the same time, you need to survive in the city. So it's definitely a tough place to be in. One of the things that we we face at the Corker Co. is when we're hosting events or when we're creating uh, events, the speaker lineup really matters to us and is really important. And it's like, the the like my greatest fear is that we fall into tokenism and it's like this is the person or people perceive it to be tokenism versus totally. like genuine like no we care so much about these humans yeah i think a good way to avoid that or what i've noticed is like involving those people at the start when i think it feels like tokenism is when you already have your lineup or you already have your thing and you're like oh, ah, uh, crap, we have to reach out to this person now, you know? I think if people of color, people in the queer community are involved in the fundamental, fundamental stages of whatever your event you're organizing, then you avoid tokenism. I think it's when like, oh, we really want you involved, but the whole thing's done and they're like just thrown in as like an afterthought. Mm, you're like a decoration versus... Totally. <laughs> But as like versus part of like the creation of it. And you have created one of the most fun monthly events, Level Up YVR. Tell the world about this event. I'm so excited about it. And I'm coming off of just like doing my busiest one yet because of Pride. So yeah, I just started it. Level Up YVR is um, a queer hip hop party that I started that I do monthly. And it, it's um, like BIPOC focused, but you know, anyone is welcome, but I try to keep the lineups, like hire people of color to DJ and perform in it, just because there aren't spaces like that in Vancouver. I don't even think really Vancouver has a queer party that is like a hip hop party. A lot of like queer parties that you go to is sort of like no shade, like the same sort of like dancey, like electronic music. But yeah, I care about it a lot. I started it in November. I just did the Pride one and it was the biggest event I've ever organized in my life. And it was like really scary, but really exciting. I sold out of tickets and had a few at the door. And at like 8.45, there was a lineup of like 60 people. And I was like, oh my goodness, what have I done? But yeah, it's really fun. And I'm finding that like without even exclusively being like, this is a party 
focused on like people of color, just like having that lineup creates that space. And like without explicitly being like, hey, this is who we're like focusing with this event. It just, the crowd reflects that in a way that is so, so beautiful and I'm so grateful for. And I've like received a lot of really positive feedback around it from people of color in the queer community who are like, we've never seen a space like this. We've never felt so welcome in a space. And that is like truly the only thing that I want in life. Even if like 10 people came, just to have those like 10 people feel safe makes me feel so good. And I'm so, I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed. And like, you deserve all the positive recognition and accolades. And if you haven't checked out Level Up YVR, we'll include all the links below to make sure that you can find out when to dance your face off with the best people in the city. The other thing that I wanted to acknowledge you for was that you're also a recent Lululemon ambassador for the Lululemon yeah. Lab. Mm -hmm. And what has that meant to you? It's been, um, Pretty cool. I started collaborating with Lululemon, man, maybe a year or so ago, but just in the sense of like being a DJ that DJ their events, not actual genuine collaborations. And then through a now very good friend of mine, Maddie Cragen, built a really like positive working relationship with Lululemon, which has been really nice. And then what's cool about the lab is that it's like sort of different than other Lululemons and there's a lot of more like experimentation and exploration that can happen at that space because I think if someone originally was like be a Lululemon ambassador I'd be like that does not feel authentic for me I'm not DJing and like Lululemon clothing like I don't understand but like the clothes at the lab are actually stuff like I have a specific pair of shorts that I wore like several times this weekend <laughs> the relationship that I built with the lab has just felt really authentic and all the people there are really like on board to support me in event creation and like this for level up I was like Justin, that's the manager at the lab. I was like, I really want LED glow-in-the-dark furniture. Can the lab help me with that? And he's like, totally. So it's been really nice to have that kind of relationship. And if I, they're like, if you ever want to throw an intercessions workshop. And like the biggest like concern for intercessions is that we want to keep it like low barrier and like low cost. So to have a space to do events in is really nice. So I'm definitely grateful for how much I don't know. I think that when you get involved with a big organization, there's always the fear that there's going to be all these like strict rules and lines of like them sort of just like using you, but not letting you be authentic. But I've been really grateful for the way that Lululemon has allowed me to just kind of do what I want. And they're like just supporting me, which is a really awesome feeling. Mm. And so for, I love that you gave a tip before of like involving people at the beginning of the event. There's a lot of people that run companies or are part of companies that would love to be a better support to marginalized communities. What made this relationship work for you? Like what could you share that other people would be like, hey, you should also do this if you wanna start working with or interacting in a more meaningful capacity with marginalized communities? That's such a good question. I think two things came to my mind right off the top. First of all, um, educating yourself first. like. I really felt like specifically with Lululemon and Maddie that she had done a lot of work on her own around unpacking like what like white supremacy looks like, like, like what anti-blackness looks like, what marginalization looks like before working with me or coming to me with ideas. I think it's so important if you want to involve people of color in the community to do so in a way that is like, you're not making them do all the labor of explaining like why what they're doing is important. Like, there's so many good books, there's so many online resources, there's so many just Instagram accounts that like can offer knowledge on like what unpacking like 
whiteness looks like within ourselves, within our businesses. I think that just like opening up, like what does like tokenization look like? Just like starting to read and starting to have conversations before you involve people really mm. makes a difference. And then another thing I think is vulnerability. You're not, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to like maybe say the wrong thing or not say the right thing or like hurt someone as humans, just like fundamentally we're going to make mistakes and hurt people. But I think one thing that's been nice with Lululemon is like the vulnerability of being like, Hey, we might mess up. If this doesn't feel good, just let us know. Like we're really, really trying and we're really learning. It can be so vulnerable to admit that you don't know everything. But I find like once there's a person being like, Hey, I'm really, really trying. I respect what you're doing. Can you just, can we talk? Like what will feel good for you? What doesn't feel good? I just think that when you strip it all down and like the performativeness, just be vulnerable with another human. I think it makes the world of a difference. Well, shout out to Maddie Cragen for being that for you. And we recorded a podcast with Rachel Ricketts. And I think the work she's doing to educate specifically white people on through spiritual activism and anti-racism and really just kiboshing at white supremacy on a day-to-day basis. So we'll include another link to her podcast as another yeah, great resource. A person I was thinking of is like, just in, it can be as easy as just like following an Instagram, reading it every day and like thinking about it mindfully. Yeah. Well, holy cow. I can't believe our time is like flown by. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we end each podcast with the same question. And that is, what is making your heart beat faster these days? I know you asked me at the beginning and I was supposed to think about it. What's making my heart beat faster these days is like the growing of community and the increase in connection. So like, I guess to be more specific, just like, I feel like the more stuff I do and the harder I work, it's easy to feel a little bit burnt out, but I can feel like tangibly a community of people growing around me and a community of support growing around me. And it's making me feel so grateful and so excited. And I like live for moments of connection, even if it's just like a person on the dance floor, looking at another person on the dance floor and like smiling. Like, I love that. I just, yeah, it makes me very happy. Uh, I love that so much. What's making my heart beat faster these days was hosting an outdoor yoga class. It's the summer and it's just so cool to have people move in the sun. Um, And so, man, let's just, I feel like we should collab. Let's just put the seat out there. That would be so rad. Um, So stay tuned. Anyone in Vancouver, (laughs) Saki Shan, she makes incredible people move. Thank you so much for taking the time out to be with us today and all the links to your website and Instagrams will be below so people can